0: Uh, Is anybody keeping up with what's happening down there in uh, Asbury? It's quite exciting, isn't it? Seeing, you know, uh, what they're calling at this point a humble revival. And just uh, the Spirit of God causing, for those of you that don't know, uh, Asbury um, College had a revival in 1970. And uh, apparently there's just a movie that's actually come out, I think this weekend, called The Jesus Revolution. Did it, did it already come out? Yes. Did anybody go see it? Good for you guys. Bunch of radicals. Where, like, Was it at like regular theaters? Yes. So we should all go to that. Because yes. it's actually the story of um, Calvary Chapel there in um, uh, Southern California. And Lonnie Frisbee, who was this long-haired preacher... Uh, and it was just—it's just a great story. And if you—if you know anything about the history of revival and what happened um, in those days with the Jesus people, and I can tell by looking at this crowd that some of you were there, in the Jesus people movement, um, I was just behind it. Uh, my 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 older brothers were uh, old enough to be a part of that. Uh, we we were raised in church, so they didn't get to be a part of the Jesus people movement, but unfortunately got to be a part of the drug movement that happened at the same time. Um, but really interesting to see that history. And, uh, you know, you wonder when something, when something breaks out like it did there in Asbury in 1970, and then it happens again, there's, there's places that are wells, you know, in the earth. There's places that have a history where something can happen. And um, somebody had told me that it's, it spread. I watched something last night for over an hour. It was uh, Flashpoint with... Um, the Kenneth Copeland's flashpoint ministries thing. And they talked about what was happening in Asbury and how it had been prophesied and that it spread to over a hundred different colleges now. Um, so it's just it's just interesting to think what if it just keeps spreading? Amen. Like what if it just keeps spreading? And you guys, and I'm I'm saying that because you know, we shared a little bit with, with you guys uh, last weekend, we talked about um, that we live in the age of grace, and we talked about the spirit of grace, and, and Joel says that the, the age of grace will end with the greatest outpouring, that all flesh will have the spirit poured out upon them. And uh, James said that the, the husbandman, or the farmer, the father God, waits for the precious fruit of the earth until it receives the former and the latter rain together in the seventh month, I think it says, but it, but it receives them together. Well, we've never seen that. That scripture's never been fulfilled. The former rain happened in Pentecost, which the, the disciples thought it was the latter rain, but they didn't know that they were moving into the age of grace. And so, you know, for those of us who've studied end times and, and my particular um, bent towards this age is that this age will end with an outpouring that will eclipse anything that the world has ever seen before there do you know there's already more people saved on earth there's more people right now living on earth saved than there are people in heaven waiting for us to get there since 1989 more people have been saved than the rest of the church age put together the whole church age since 1989 uh, somebody sent me a text this week, you know, somebody sent me a thing about the Asbury thing that was, this is and happening, in, in a, uh, but somebody sent me a text, uh, Marby, who's our, our, the front end secretary here, sent me a text showing this revival in the Philippines in Davao City, and it showed hundreds and hundreds of people on the beach, all getting ready to go into the water and do a mass baptism. I mean, literally, there was two lines as far as you could see down the beach. And it says revival in Davao City, and all the Filipinos went yeah, because because you know it, it just it just makes you go ooh, like this is a revival. The revival. I'll tell you this: when the revival came in 1989-90 uh, and started and then spread around the world. It went, um, you know, Rodney Howard Brown was the one that was doing it. Uh, Toronto blew up, um, became the number one tourist attraction for two years, the, the natural tourist attraction in Toronto. Uh, spread to Pensacola. They saw hundreds of thousands of salvations. And then that revival went around the world. Um, and, and I thought that was the one because we would go into churches. I remember going to a pastor's conference in Thailand And the first night, you know, and I had a great message on on stuff that God was doing. And I started to get so overcome by the Holy Spirit. that I told the Lord in the worship, I said, God, it's the first night. Like, let me establish a little credibility first. Because I literally was sitting in the front row. And I was just getting more, you know, these are not drunk as you suppose. And I remember walking up to the platform, walking up to the podium... And just holding on to the podium. And I'm looking and here's all these guys looking, you know, like, what's the guy from Canada going to say? I don't even remember what I said. But whatever it was, it didn't mean a whole lot. But the joy hit, the, the leading apostle there, his wife, was sitting beside him. And they've got all oh, their pastors and leaders here from all over Asia, right? And she starts, she starts laughing. I was like, thank God, I'm not the only one that's going to look bad here. But everybody knew her. She starts laughing. She starts laughing so hard she falls out of her chair on her hands and her knees laughing like that. And, you know, when you're a part of something like that, and then, of course, it just began to spread, right? I forget what the Lord told me to do or whatever happened, but it began to spread. So being in a place when the Spirit of God moves in the room and just takes over, it's just, I mean, it's for those of us who were called to this to the ministry, it's your dream come true. I remember sitting on the stage while God just moved, sat on stage for half an hour. People are laughing. People are crying. People are looking around like, what is going on? But, but you could feel Holy Spirit moving as, as, as that move of God washed over the world. And so I thought that was it. And then when it faded and i spent some time searching with the lord and and found what what i believe that that it was i believe what the lord told me was that was the john the baptist anointing that was the that was the forerunner for christ and for the the last great revival but then knowing that and saying okay i'm telling you this i'm waiting for the next one so when i hear oh something's happening over there in that place and and they're going 24/7 and the people keep going and they're they're trying to and you know the 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 Asbury, the, the town is only 6,000 people. They had 20,000 people come into the town last week. Well, the infrastructure of the town is completely overrun. You know, I imagine the hotel people are happy because all their rooms are full all the time every day. But it, it, just made me, it, it just made me go, hmm, I wonder. I don't know if you know this, but the, the, the revival hit the colleges I I was watching um, as I said Flashpoint Lance Wallnow said this um, on this this program he said what we're waiting for is it to go from the Christian colleges to the secular colleges and he said when it does that When it goes to the secular colleges, he said, that's when the devil will start to react. And he said, you'll start to get opposition. And they'll start to try and crush it. And he said, and that's when the young lions begin to rise up like they did in the Jesus people movement. They began to rise up and boldly proclaim what God was doing in the face. And the revival's just washed right through the colleges. And we're in a very interesting time. We've just come through and are still for many in a time of uncertainty, financial insecurity, hopelessness. Look at what's happened to us in the last three years. Our society became a group of people without hope. I know even here for us as Christians in the church, so many of us dealing with hopelessness. I had to fight hopelessness. I was like, God, what is this? It's a spirit. It's a spirit that takes away hope because if he can steal your hope, then your faith has nothing to grab grab onto because faith is the substance of things hoped for. But, but Lance Walner was comparing, he said, what we're going through right now is the very same kind of an atmosphere as they went through in the end of the 60s. Racial turmoil, government corruption, murders happening, confusion in the news. And, in the... and he just, he went right through and he said, we're in the same place now. And I thought, my goodness, he's right, we are. We're in the same place now. We're in the place where we're ready For revival. (laughs) Oh, I just, I'm like, come on, God, bring it on. Just keep it going. Like, just let's just go with this. Then I said, I said, if you do it somewhere else in the city, we'll go there. We'll send out an email on my SVC. Everybody, church is canceled at Southside. We're going to Zama Zama Baptist Church because the Holy Spirit is there. And we'll just all show up and walk in and they'll say, what are you guys doing here? We, we heard God's here. So just dump it on us and we'll be gone and next week we'll have it in our church. Yeah. I don't care where it comes out, I'm going to it. oh. oh, oh. What if? That's just what goes through my mind. What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? And some of you, you better get ready because you think you're ready. You just wait. Just wait when Holy Ghost comes in the room and all of a sudden a whole section of people just burst into tears and start crying because presence of the Lord drops. I've been in places where rows of people Start responding to the Holy Spirit and just feeling His presence. I've watched rows of people fall out brrr, brrr, under because the Holy Spirit. Because somebody that was anointed just laid hands on the end of, of the row, and the anointing just went signs and wonders. You know, my wife's dad. He was an old Scotsman, and he said that uh, he went to a Charles and Francis Hunter meeting. Anybody remember Charles and Francis? They were big in the, their daughter Joan Hunter now travels around doing a healing ministry. But that they were, he, they went to the meeting and he, they were Presbyterian and then, and then they became Baptist. So they went and he sat at the end of the row like this. All this crazy charismatic stuff, you know. It's all, and we all think the same thing. It's all a bunch of emotionalism, you know, these people all getting carried away. And he sat on the end of the row like this, just watching, you know. Now, because he was a Baptist, his heart was open. Like his heart was open. God, if it's true, I want it. I remember he said to me, you know, there was people that would denigrate tongues and he was a Baptist, never spoken in tongues, but he said, nope, you can't do that. He said, the Bible says forbid not to speak with tongues. So you can't do that. So his heart was honest, but he said, he was sitting there in the row and Charles Hunter came along and laid hands on the other end of the row. And the people just went, boom, 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 all falling towards him. And he said, I'm sitting there just kind of looking down the road like that. And he said, somebody punched me in the jaw right there, just as smooth as anything. He said, everybody fell this way. And I got hit in the jaw and fell over on top of the person that was beside me. And I thought, how like God to get a stubborn old Scotsman just have his angel stand there beside the road. And think, you're not going to get it like everybody else is going to get it. They all start falling over. I think some of our angels are just waiting for a (laughs) chance. I've been protecting you for 40 years and you're still a meathead. Is that scriptural? I don't know. Ask your angel. I know this, that some of our angels have worked a lot harder than some of y'all other ones in here. There's a bunch of you that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your angel protecting you and keeping you alive. If you can't say amen, say, oh, that's me. We've been talking about Holy Spirit. You know what's funny? Ever since we've been talking about Holy Spirit, the devil's been mad. I don't know how many of you have gone through a bunch of stuff in the last month and a half. But there's a bunch of stuff that's gone through, stuff in the office here and stuff in families. And I'm just, you look at that and you're going, wait a minute, why is this happening? Because we're stirring up the blessing of the Lord and we're getting rid of critters and people are getting healed and having visions and speaking in tongues and the devil doesn't like, and I've been, the whole time it's, I've been trying to focus on, you guys, don't get weirded out by the supernatural. Find out what's right, find out what's wrong, judge the spirits, the Bible talks about that, discern, But just because something's supernatural, don't get messed up by it. Dear God, wait till the power is so strong that the guy beside you all of a sudden goes, and his head turns around three times. You'll be like. It happened in Jesus meetings, didn't it? All of a sudden, the guy three rows back goes, I know who you are, son of the most high God. What do you think the rest of the people sitting there? They were like, whoa, Arnie's got a problem this morning. And Jesus did the same thing. Shut up. Come out. I was preaching in India. And, uh, you know, in India, they, they, the people, the, like guys that have the big critters, they're just, they're just out with everybody else, you know. Here, most of ours are like in insane asylums and stuff like that. And, and I'm, I'm talking about people that have devils. And so I'm preaching away. And this guy in the back stands up and just starts going. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, well, maybe it's like one of their guys and he's speaking in Punjabi or Hindi or something like that. <laughs> just dumb, you know, just kind of clueing in. And I'm going, <laughs> finally, finally the pastor, after about three minutes, he stands up. He's where Clive was. He stands up. He says, shut up and come out of him. The guy goes, how? <laughs> And sits back down. I was like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We get these dumb white guys to come and preach. But they don't know anything about the devil. You know. But we are learning and learning. I'm telling you. All right, now, quit laughing and pay attention. (laughs) We've been talking about all this stuff that's been happening with Holy Spirit here, and when I was um, spending some quiet time with the Lord um, this week, this popped right up in, in my spirit. What happens here is the beginning of something, not the end of it. So when people come up for impartation, it's the beginning of something, it's the initiation to something, it's, it's not the end of it. Coming up and being touched by the Holy Spirit is wonderful and we should want that forever, which is why in this season right now in the church, we're just praying for people every week. We get all of our prayers up, we get the pastors up, we get the worship, the altar team up and, and just get people prayed for Why? For the sake of impartation, but it's going somewhere. And there's something to it that it produces. And I I, I feel like highlighting this part this week because this what what I'm about to talk about for my wife and I has been one of the most significant things in knowing how to follow God. How do we follow God's purpose? You know, Barna did a survey years and years ago and they've done a couple of them since. One of them was published in Charisma Magazine. And the, the top two questions that Christians asked was, I want to know the will of God, and I want to know how to hear the voice of God. I want to know, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know that voice? Where does that voice come from? This then happened over and over and over again. And one of the things that we want when you come up here is that there's something being imparted or released in degrees. Let me explain this. I, I wanted to speak about the glory today because the glory of God is one of my favorite subjects. It's just, it's, it's amazing what it does when the glory comes into a service. When the, the glory is what the whole fight is over between God and the devil. When the glory manifests on the earth, everything else goes under submission. Every, every human or, uh, organization, every demonic thing, everything just, the glory just comes in and it takes over. That's why that one song that we sing there says that the angels and the saints are face down beneath the weight. The word glory means weight, it means the weightiness of God. And, and I wanted to preach on that, and I felt like the Lord said, you, You're not there yet, meaning us, that we're not there yet with what we understand about the anointing. But here's what I started to tell you the Bible says in, in Colossians 1 27. <laughs> I'm preaching over here on purpose. Was it the sneeze that set you guys off? Was that what it was? got a good laugh right in there that was a funny laugh that was a for those of you who are watching online right now the only thing I could do is turn that camera around and shine it on the people that are laughing Some of you need a good laugh. (laughs) We used to have services where the whole thing broke out in laughter. I remember sitting on the stage one time for half an hour. Well, God moved over the whole congregation. People were laughing, crying, as I told you. People were like, what's going on? Could be the best place in the world to laugh, might be church. was I talking about? <laughs> right? The glory. So the anointing in increasing degrees becomes the glory. So so Paul said in, in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the anointed one, right? It's not Jesus' last name. The anointed one in his anointing. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So As you learn to receive the anointing and you learn to sense the anointing, you receive more. To whom much is given, much is required. If you have some, you'll be given more. So as you get more, you become more sensitive to it. As you get more sensitive to it, you can be aware of it quicker. And that's why, like we were in Bible school and uh, I was standing in prayer school. We We had Bible school in the afternoon, prayer school, or in the morning, prayer school was in the afternoon. And... I remember in prayer school, the, the, the worship team was going, and it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, I thought, I need to get on the floor. Okay, this is 1983. Nobody was lying on the floor in 1983. You just didn't do that, especially not in this Bible school where, where it was all, you know, a, a tie, shirt, and tie. And the presence of the Lord kept getting stronger, and I was in the second row because I always like to get up close to what's happening. And I remember thinking, I need to lie down. I just need to lie down here. I don't care what anybody else is doing. And I looked around, and probably half the people there were already laid on the floor. Just nobody said lie down or anything. And this is the part I remember. Brother Hagin was walking back and forth as, as he was wont, and he, he, he started to say, the glory's here, the glory's here, the glory's here. Now this is when you, you know somebody that you've heard talk about the glory being so thick in the room it's like a cloud, where you can't see people anymore, the presence of the Lord is like a fog, like a fog machine. And it's so strong, you can't. And, and I remember when he, was, when he said that, I made the link between what I was feeling was this weighty presence. And I thought, I've got to lie on the floor. I made the, diff, the, the, the connection between that and, and what he was saying. Oh, this is the glory. I didn't know that what I was feeling was the glory. All I knew was that I was feeling, I need to get on the floor. I didn't, I'd never studied the kavod of God. The the word kavod means weight. It means heaviness of God. And you guys, that's what we're pushing for, right? That's That's what we're believing for. That's what we're aiming for. So every time we do the anointing, every time we pray for people, the more of you that get sensitive to the anointing and to be able to receive that, the stronger the corporate anointing gets in the room. The stronger the corporate anointing is, the greater the opening, as it were, in the Spirit that enables the Holy Spirit to come, that enables the angels to come, that enables the presence of the Lord to get stronger. What, what resists the presence of the Lord is for, like me, there in, in Bible school, and, you know, not just standing there and not even knowing. We think, well, if God comes into the room, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll know it, I'll feel. no. Jesus was performing miracles and the Pharisees got madder and madder and madder and wanted to kill him. And there he was. The Bible says that he came down from the mountain at one point and it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. And then it says this, and the presence, the healing power of the Lord went out from him and healed people. Just being there, they'd come within a certain proximity and they'd get healed because of what was emanating out of him. They didn't even know. And that's what the Lord began to, you know, talk about in my heart. He said that the anointing in full measure is the glory. So when the anointing comes, and this is why, as I said, we pray for people. We lay hands on people. And some of you, you've given us great testimonies just of what's happening and what God's doing in your life. Sometimes it happens here at the altar. Sometimes it happens when you're out there this week. And you're doing something, and all of a sudden you feel something. But I want to touch on something here. So go with me to John chapter 14. There's much more going on than what's happening at the altar. We went through that that last revival that started in 91. We caught it here in our church in about 97 and went through until 2001. So we had four or five years where the Holy Spirit, especially for the first two years, came in and he would just change things. He changed the service, he changed me. He changed the way that our church operated. He brought me right down to zero. I would try and prepare a message. I'd work all week to try and prepare a message. I've always been a teacher. I'd get all the way to Saturday night and didn't have a message. I was like, God, what's going on? And he was training me to be able to to listen to Holy Spirit and sense that which way is Holy Spirit going in this service. Sometimes he wouldn't give me a message until I walked from the chair to the stage. And I'd get one scripture. And I'd walk up by faith and I'd say that scripture and, and something would start going. But, but there, here, I'm trying to get to something. What's happening in the spirit as you get prayed for again and again is what's birthing something and changing something. And, and it's, it's one of the most important things. John 14 verse 25. It's what I shared with you last week or started to last week. These things, verse John 14, 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Okay, now look over at John 15 and verse 26. John 15, verse 26. When the helper comes, that's the word paraclete. And it means seven different things. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. There's the second thing. Okay, now look over at John 16 and verse 13. Number one question Christians have, how do I hear the voice of God? And how do I know if I'm in God's will? Those are the top two that came out in the Barna Surveys. Okay, John 16, verse 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Hmm. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So you've got the four things that the Holy Spirit always does. You wanna do you, remember what I said? The Holy Spirit defines himself so that we can receive from him. So there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And he defines himself that way so that we can identify those things and then flow in them and use them. And I'm not talking about just in church. In churches where we do it as pastors, but if you have a business or you're working or you're a nurse or you're a doctor, what about the gifts of the spirit, the working of miracles and the gifts of healings working there? What about the word of knowledge working for you in your business? Okay, so, so he defines himself. But then Jesus said there's four things he'll do. He'll testify of me. He'll teach you all things. He'll guide you into all truth and he'll show you things to come. So when Holy Spirit is going to do stuff with you and I, he's moving us toward teach, testify, guide, and show. Okay? He wants to show you, don't buy that house. It's a lemon. He wants to show you, that's not the right job. Even though it's got a great pay and it's got this in it, it's not the right job I have for you. He wants to show us that. And I've gotten asked over and over and over again. I've got a couple of decisions before me. How do I make this decision, Pastor? I probably have been asked that kind of thing more than any other single thing. I finished the message this morning. Two people come up to me. I've got a decision to make. I'm the one that I've got a decision, kind I got a word of knowledge about somebody that's right now was in the process of, I need to buy a house you know, or I have an opportunity to buy a house, and is this the right house, and is this the right number? All those things, we started to learn this, Ann and I, way back when we didn't have any money, and we'd, we'd buy used cars, and we'd pray and say, God, what's the number that you would give us to pay for this car? And when we got the same number, that's the number we'd stay on, and you know what happens, you go to the car dealership, and the guy goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He actually probably doesn't do anything but go in there and say, yeah, because they know their bottom line. They know what they're going to go to. They just want to see if you can pay more than that, right? I said, you guys, you all know what I'm talking about. So he goes in there, sits down, has a coffee with the guy for five minutes, you know, and says, what should I do now? I'll oh, go to this number. Okay. Well, we had the number. I remember when we bought our first car that was a Cougar and it was a nice looking car. And I was like, yo, still got it with my Cougar. I'm, you know, <laughs> because you get older and you get a family and you drive a minivan, you ain't got it no more, man. I mean, you know, but so we got this number and, and, and my wife got the number first and we were standing in the parking lot and she got this number. I, I, think, I think we're supposed to pay this and it was like, you know, from what the guy was asking and I stopped and I, I thought my brain, because I'm always logical, my brain goes, that's low ball. You, you're not, you're not going to get that. Uh, but my heart, I thought, okay, now let me give you a clue right here. If you want to learn the difference between the witness of the Holy Spirit and your own will, you have to be willing to lose what you want. Right. That's right. Like a house. You have to be willing to lose well, I want this so bad, and I won't have time to get into this today. But, but our emotions can completely cloud the inner witness. So she gives me this number and said, I think, I think it should be this much. And was, my brain went, we'll never get it for that. And my flesh was going, oh, I would look good in that car. You know, I mean, you just it's come on, it's still there, you know, it's, I have, mm, it'd be nice. And I stopped and I thought on the inside and I was like, okay, do you remember that? We were standing in the parking lot and that white cougar there. And uh, so the guy came back and we just said, you know, here's what we're willing to pay. And he left and he came back and said, here's what we're willing to pay. And here's the thing, we were willing to walk away. I was like, rats, I'm gonna lose that. Day. You know, can we scrounge up an extra 1,500? You know, but we knew what our monthly payments would be. <clears throat> and finally, and, and we just said, you know what? This is, this is what we can afford. And he came back and he said, okay, it's yours. I was like, it is? Because in my heart, I'd already lost it because, you know, he's a salesman. I didn't know anything about selling cars. He's a salesman, and he's doing his best job, you know, to make sure that that he's going to get the top dollar because he gets a commission on that. But when we stuck with that, we did that with the first house that we bought. We knew what our monthly payments could be. I'm giving you gold here about how Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit, what do we expect to happen when you come up here and you get prayed for and you might feel something or you might not, but that's not what it's about. What it's about is you coming up and saying, Holy Spirit, there's room inside me for more of you. I want more of you. What, 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 what do I need to do? You know, I mean, does it ever hurt to get prayed for? Prayed for as many times as you can. And we had this, the, our first place was a duplex here in the city in the north. And uh, we'd looked at a number of places And this one was nice. And it had a view out across the railroad tracks, the highway, and the whole side of the hill, just about where COP is. And so we had like a country view living in the city. And it was perfect for us with our our little kids. There's two little boys at that time, right? Or do we have Jen already? Yeah. And um, so we prayed, and we got a number, and we figured it out. You know, you gotta use your brain. So we figured out, here's what we can afford. Because if we make this payment... And this down payment, then we can afford this much every month with our budget. I mean, it was tight, you know. I was a youth pastor on a, on a no-pastor salary. And so we got a number. And we went back and forth with the, the real estate. And the lady, just, she just couldn't come down that far. She couldn't come down to the number that we had. And I remember driving uh, past the place with, with Ann and with her dad. Again, the old Scotsman, you know, and he, they were out visiting, in the other place that we were staying, and uh, we were out doing something, and drove past the place. He said, "Well, let's drive by it and take a look." So we drove by it. You know, he couldn't go in or anything, and uh, <clears throat> he said, "So, what, what are they asking for it?" I said, "Well, they're asking this much," and I said, "We've we got this number, and we really prayed. This is the number that we feel that we're supposed to get." And you know what? After you've looked at like ten different places. It's like, I don't want to look at any more places. I just want some place that, and when we walked into that place, we were like, yes, 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 the basement. Yes, a big backyard for the kids. Yes, the bedrooms. Like it. it was all the yeses. And so then when it's a yes, your flesh goes, yes. <laughs> right? That's when your, and your will and your desire kicks in. But we had to stick with that number. And so, I, did, you know, we were driving by, and I said, yeah. I said, we talked to the real estate. It was either that day or the day before. I talked to the real estate lady, and uh, she said, I'm just not able to come to that number. And I, so as we were driving by, I told him, I said, so, so it's too bad, you know, because we we really wanted to, to, to get in. And he said, well, what was the difference? And I said, 1000 bucks." Well, when $500 changes your life, 1000 bucks is like... It, there just was no way, right? It was, just, it was too, too big for us. A thousand bucks. And he goes, oh, huh. we drive by. And he goes, well, I can give you that thousand bucks. I was like, because oh. <laughs> all of a sudden I might get it after all, right? And I said, I said, I said Dad, you don't have to do that. He goes, no, we, we, we talked about it already, and we want to bless you. And you, you know what was neat? was that we had the number with the inward witness of what we were prepared to do. We'd done our due diligence in the natural, but we got that number in the Spirit, and we were holding on to what we felt Holy Spirit said to us. Listen to me, to the place that we were ready to lose it because we were trusting Holy Spirit's number. That right there is where many Christians miss it. Because you won't hold on and take the loss and trust Holy Spirit. And here's the neat thing. Even if you missed it on the number, if you're in faith in listening to the Holy Spirit, he'll turn something around after that, and he'll make it work. He'll make the next part work for you. We all go through faith failures. Mm-hmm. We all go through it, and I don't have time to get into this, but when we're talking about this kind of thing... And people are believing God. And, then, and we're like, okay, was that, was that you or was that just me? Was that, oh God, it, oh, I don't know. What to, mm. That's where it's nice to have two and get something. And we do this with offerings. We will go places. You know, we, we know what our measure is. and We've talked about that with you before. But when we go places and we're in another place, <clears throat> we'll, we'll get a number. I'll say, well, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And we'll give that number. Sometimes we get a different number. When we get a different number, we pray again and say, okay, who's... Who needs to make the adjustment here? Because we want to do what Holy Spirit says. Because if everybody in the room, and I'm not talking about your tithes because your tithes is something that's just done. It's a done deal. It's the way God works. It lets him into your financial system, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to uh, offerings... If you have somebody else, if, if you do what God says for you to do, if everybody just does what God says with what you can afford, some people could put 5,000 bucks that are sitting in here, put 5,000 bucks in the offering, you'd be like, yeah, woo, pff, no big deal. Some of you, 50 bucks would be a stretch. So God looks at percent, not amount. So God looks at like the widow with the two mites. He said she put in more than they all. Why? Because she put in the largest percentage of what she had. But again my point is by that inward witness on the inside there's so many ways you can learn to hear that witness and no wait a minute I think holy spirit's telling me this. And when that happened to us with that house the first house that we'd ever owned when that happened to us with that house every time you do that and and you get it right it solidifies in your spirit. Because next time when you come into a situation, you know, this is, this, is how, this is how this works. This is how my spirit works. Learning to hear from your spirit. Now, let's pick this up again because I want to show you a couple of things here. He said here, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. What does that mean? It means that their spirit was not mature enough to grasp what he was saying. You remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus in John 3 comes to Jesus and says, I know you must be uh, from God because nobody can do the miracles that you do. Nobody can do what you do except God is with him. Jesus never even misses a beat. He says, unless you're born again, you won't won't see the kingdom of heaven. Now jump ahead here for a minute. Nobody can be born again. Nobody even understands the concept because Jesus hasn't died yet and paid the price for the sins of man. So he's throwing something out at Nicodemus that's two and a half years down the road before anybody even gets it. Nobody can even comprehend it yet. No wonder Nicodemus said, how can, this, how can this be? Can I go again into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus starts and says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he gives him a lesson on you see the wind, how the wind blows, etc., etc." You know what I'm talking about. What did he just do? He just threw calculus to a 10-year-old. Follow me. He just threw something out to Nicodemus because, listen, because of Nicodemus' hunger for truth, Jesus presented him with something that when he walked away from that conversation, he was like, something, something has to happen in the spirit. The wind blows where it wants, and you, you feel its effect, but you can't see it where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Huh. What did he do? He, he gave him something too big for his comprehension. But he gave it to him because he was hungry enough to start thinking about it, and as the ministry of Jesus progressed... Nicodemus' awareness of, okay, that thing he just did there with the healing, that's a spirit thing. that's a See, he would be focused on the on the Torah. He would be focused on what he knew and obedience of the law. And as you obey the law and you keep the law, then God's blessings will come on you because God said, if you keep the law, I'll bless you and I'll protect you and I'll keep you. But Jesus is coming along and saying a whole different thing that you have to be born again, that there has to be a Spiritual reality. What does that work like? And you can always tell when God's speaking to you because when the, when the Holy Spirit, and I'm talking about the inward witness per se, but when the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about something, the first thing it does is generate questions. What did, what did he mean? He goes right on. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Didn't he? The most well-known verse in the Bible. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He goes and he's saying all of this to Nicodemus and to the crew right there. And you can see Nicodemus. And he says to him, are you a teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things? In other words, you should be one of the ones that, that is teaching these kinds of spirit truths. You should understand spirit things because of your understanding. The, 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 the Torah still brought awareness of the spirit because it said God is a spirit. Because it talks about the spirit of God brooding on the, on the, uh, uh, the, the, the elements in Genesis, brooding on the darkness. So, so he's saying, you guys should have known this by now. You should know that there's a spirit world. He's trying to lead, are you following me? He's trying to lead Nicodemus into these other things. Jesus says the same thing here. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. I'm so glad he didn't stop there. He goes right on to say, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, what's he going to do? He's going to guide me into all this. He's going to speak to me. He's going to hear what he speaks and tell me. What is that? He's going to prepare my spirit to bear more. Every time you come up and get prayed for and somebody joins their faith in believing God for a connection and there's an impartation of something, it prepares your spirit for more whether you feel it or not. The key is, God, I believe that the moment hands are laid on me, I believe Holy Spirit can do the things that I don't feel, that I don't see and that I don't understand, but he's preparing my spirit for more. Let me show you what he's preparing it for. Go with me to uh, 1 John. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them yet. But Holy Spirit's going to come and help you grow into this. Here's an interesting thought. How many of you can see areas that you're so much more mature now than you were five years ago? Oh, well. Right? You just you, know, you think back to what you used to think when you were a new Christian? And it was the mercy of God. (laughs) Right? Because you're just brand new. You don't know anything. It's like Jesus is wonderful and everything's amazing. And you still carry on sinning and God's still wonderful. (laughs) And then Holy Spirit starts to come and go, okay, let's let's work on this part over here, right? You know, (laughs) this part with your mouth. You know, James spent a whole chapter on that. Let's, let's work on some of that stuff that's coming out there because a good fountain doesn't have, and then you read James for the first time that out of, the, out of the fountains flows not bitter and pure water. These things ought not to be, you know, and you're like, oh, there's my fountain. Right? Do I need to go over here? Are you guys under too much conviction now? Have I go, go over to this side? But when you get prayed for by Holy Spirit, he starts working on those things. He starts working on, on, on stuff. For me, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, I quit, I quit swearing, completely quit swearing for two weeks. <laughs> Just let me finish the story. Because okay. I had sworn up until that time, I mean, I worked with truckers for, the, for two years. You know, they, those boys would cuss the paint right off the wall. I mean, they were professional swearers. They, they were creative. I mean, you know, sentences. And um, so I used, to, I used to drop F-bombs all the time. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 I, and I didn't even know that I'd stopped swearing until I was playing in a soccer game. This was over in Greece. Just to a pickup soccer game and the thing. I was praying and I took a shot and I missed the net. I missed the end of the thing. I missed the world. I mean, it was a terrible shot. You know, it was like, why did you even shoot the ball? And as I did that, without thinking, F came right out. Out, out of my mouth came this thing. And, and I stopped because I thought, I just swore. I've always sworn. But I haven't been swearing. When did I stop? <laughs> Literally, I'm standing on the, on the field. And the goalie gets the ball and kicks it out again. And I'm going through a revelation. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of my fellow teammates... And I thought, when did I stop swearing? I haven't sworn since I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, my goodness. He took it away just like that. But now he was saying, okay, I showed you what this can be like. I showed you that your mouth can be clean. But now it's your turn. And after that was when things would happen, and I'd be like, (laughs) i bite my tongue because i knew what was going to come out was not good so i asked the lord i said lord i need a substitute for what's coming out he goes i've got one for you i said okay the next time something happened i went to do that and out of my like the time i hit my thumb with the hammer oh I'd far rather have that come out of my mouth than all that other blue streak that comes out. This, you guys right here, there must be somebody in this section because boy, you guys are getting, the, I mean, you know, ye calamandai Did I tell you to go to First John yet? Yeah. Chapter 2. Verse 20. How let me make this statement. Look up here for a minute. The word of God conditions our heart to the way that God thinks. So the number one way to, to be led by God is the Bible. When, when, you, don't, when you don't have the word of God in you or as something that you're, you're growing in, you're working, you're reading, you're listening, you're, you're meditating. When you don't have that, your heart is not conditioned to God's way of thinking because it's just, it's your way of thinking and what your parents taught you and what you learned in this church, whether it was good church or bad church or what you learned and what you thought and all this stuff, the only thing that conditions us and brings us back to the way that God thinks is the word of God so people have asked me over the years what's the number one way to hear the voice of God I said what does the Bible say Come on. and are you reading it Ooh. those of you that are wanting to hear God's voice because in mercy he'll walk you through hard times but he'll always back up a little bit from you when you're getting big enough to walk in something that he expects Come on. let me say this again when, when, when God is growing you into something new and it's your turn to not swear anymore, instead of just gracing you from it, he'll back up a little bit. I remember when our kids were learning to walk and, you know, they're getting old enough and they're going all along the, the couch, you know, and along the table and they're walking like this and then they reach out for mom and, and dad because they want you to take their hand because they don't want to fall because it hurts. We learn quick. And when they get really close to you, you think, okay, they're ready. Mom and dad do the meanest thing. Mom holds the kid, or dad holds the kid, you know, by the two fingers here. And they got the little guy there, and mom's over there, just far enough away that dad's not gonna walk the kid over. And they grab a hold of your fingers, right? You got your fingers out. They grab a hold of your fingers, and they're going. <laughs> and they're pulling on your fingers, going, what is your problem? Let's walk over there. And you know, no, they're getting ready to walk, right? Come on. And so sure enough, you go, and finally mom's going, come on, come on, come on, come on. And their desire to walk overcomes the fear of falling and hitting their face again. And they literally go, and usually they fall into mom's arms, right? Or dad's. You cruel thing. Why? Because you know they have to learn to walk. If they don't learn to walk as a human, there's something wrong. I was thinking about that one time, and the Lord said, I do the same thing. I was like, what? Because he was teaching me how to walk in something. He was teaching me how to to advance in something that I didn't want to have to deal with. I just wanted him to do it. And I saw a picture in my mind of the father holding me like this, and Jesus moved just out of arm's length. The big meanie just far enough away that he knew, and I learned something about God. Your next step of faith always causes you to let go of what you hold onto here before you can grab a hold of the next thing. You can never hold both things. I don't even know how to explain that to you. You, you, you always have to let go of what's your security here, and it's just like, eh, eh. and it might be right on the tip. You'd be like, you can just touch it. Just, just bring it a little closer, Lord. When you say bring it a little closer, he moves it further away. <laughs> but that's that step in between the two things where you're reaching out and it's the faith is when you're let go of anything except you're going to hold me up and you're not going to let me fall flat on my face here. If I fall, you'll catch me. Come on. Which is exactly what he did with Peter. Yep. When Peter got out of the boat. Did you ever notice that? That Jesus was far enough away from the boat to challenge somebody to get out of the boat. He didn't come up to the side of the boat. The Bible says that he would have passed them by. So he comes walking close enough to the boat that they can see him, but he's just walking right on by. Right? Look at me like that. It's in your Bible. You put the three gospels together that have that story in there. And Jesus, they, they, say, they cried out and said, it's a ghost. He said, fear not, it's me. The storm is still happening. The boat's going up and down. Jesus is going up and down. The guys are rowing, trying to keep the boat, and they're looking over there. Now it's Jesus. It's not a ghost, because if, if you're a sailor and it's a ghost, it's Davy Jones' locker. You're all going to die, right? I mean, there's a ghost on the water. He's here for a reason. It's probably us. And Jesus is standing over there on the water, going up and down in the waves like this. He's going up and down. The boat's going up and down. And Peter looks over there and says, okay, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus didn't walk up. No, 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 Peter. No, 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 stay in the boat. Jesus didn't walk up and get in the boat. Jesus said, come on. Why? Because faith is always stepping out of what you're in to trust that God has something better for you over there. And it always requires the, oh, I don't know any other way to say risk, that's the best, it's a, that's how you spell, that's how you spell faith,
1: <laughs>
0: and he was far enough away that Peter had to take the steps, and Jesus, listen to me, Jesus had to let him fail, but did he fail? No, because once he got his eyes back on Jesus, and Jesus reached down and picked him up. I just watched that on The Chosen a few weeks ago, but I don't believe The Chosen version is anywhere near as good as my version. Because when, when I read from the Bible, everything was still happening, boy. You know, and Peter wasn't thinking about his wife and his marriage problems right at that point. He was thinking about, am I going to make it out to Jesus before these waves take me down? I'm a fisherman, and I don't know how to swim very good, so I'm going to die right now. That's what Peter's thinking about. So where are you and what are you holding on to right now? (laughs) How do I hear God? Did I read the scripture yet? 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Verse 27. Look at this. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's a nice, long way of saying, but the Holy Spirit whom you've received will teach you everything you need to know. You get stranded on a desert island somewhere, Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll lead you into anything. And John uses the word here, anointing, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The number one way that we are led, I'm going to finish up with this in a story. The number one way that we are led, Romans 8 16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen to that phrase. The Holy Spirit bears witness. What's what's a witness? A witness is somebody who tells you what they see. Remember what I said? I don't remember if I said to you guys last week, but the witness is not the judge. The witness just gets up and shares what he sees. It's what I see. That's why for some of us, it's hard to hear the Holy Spirit because he just shares what he sees. He just shares. He doesn't force. He doesn't shout. He just shares. And it's a still small little sensing down on the inside that says, this isn't the right car. This isn't the right employee. This is the right employee. They don't have all the skills, but there's something right about hiring this person. This isn't, this isn't the way we're supposed to go with this decision in the business right now. You don't know how many times that I'm telling, what I'm telling you about right now as a spiritual thing, I have sat in my office talking, looking at the finances of the church, looking at the staff of the church, looking at decisions that have to be made and saying, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do here, but you know and I'm listening for that inward witness. It's a, you guys, it's a little sense. It's a little, I, I don't understand, but I just, eh. So let me finish with this story. When uh, we got out of Bible school, came up here, and I had a class one license uh, that I had actually just up until a few years ago when my age cost of annual physical wasn't worth it anymore. For the class one, but class one, you can drive anything, right? So it was great because drive trucks and drive buses and, and stuff like that. And so when I was a youth pastor, I could drive the bus that we had, the 40 passenger bus for the. So I got, we got out of Bible school. I, got, I came back, got a job driving a truck here uh, in the city, delivering drywall, one of those cherry pickers that, I, that you still see, that I still see, the, the guys. And I did that, you know, I'm thinking, I just got out of Bible school. I mean, woo, we, me and Reinhard Bonke, we gonna take the world, boy. I was ready. And the Lord wasn't listening. The first six months went by and nobody was, was asking me to come and be a part of their church. Nobody was offering me positions in any church. Nobody even noticed where I was. We were in a church. I wanted to go and be a part of a small church because I thought, you know, they probably need more help. The Lord led us to a church at that time, Calgary Christian Center, which had 1,200 people. I thought... What the stink am I going to do with 1,200 people? They got everything. They got a staff of 30 people. They got everything they need. They got all that. Nevertheless, the Lord led us there. Uh, my wife got a job there shortly after that as one of the secretaries, and I started teaching a class, uh, and I got involved in the worship. That was the first place I ever led worship. It was kind of an interesting situation because the pastor said, you know, I was one of their backup singers, so he let me lead worship the first two songs one morning, and um, I thought, I'm, I, I can do this, so I changed keys. I gave the signal for them to go up a key, and I went up the key, and the rest of the band looked at me like, where the heck did you just go? And thank God for the pianist, because she was highly skilled, and she could hear with her ear the key I'd gone to, and she adapted to the key, and I looked over, and she went, E! to everybody else and told the where?" <clears throat> so last the time I led worship for a while. Two years had gone by and I was totally fed up. I was like, God, did you call me to the ministry or didn't you? I mean, it was burning on the inside. And for two years, I'm driving truck. I actually, you'll like this, John, as an evangelist, I got to the place where I said, I'm going to quit this job and go door to door passing out tracks if you don't do something, which is my way of saying, just shoot me now. Because <laughs> that, that was so not who I was. <clears throat> Nevertheless, something after two years Something must have shifted in the spirit within the, the space of two months. I had three different job offers. One was with friends of ours in Saskatchewan. They'd started a church. We'd gone to school with them in Bible school in Oklahoma, and they were starting a Christian school as well, and they asked, would Ann come and be the teacher and the principal because they were starting this Christian school, brand new, and would I come and be the associate and youth pastor and do music? And we were like, whoa, that is, yeah. They I mean friends of ours, you know, um, and so that was really good. But then the pastor of the church offered me a job here. So he said, would you come and be the dean of our Bible school? We'll train you, but I recognize that you've got a teaching gift, so if you would come, we'll, we'll, we'll train you, but I'll, I'll, I want you to be the dean of our Bible school, which was called AX at that time, ACTS Bible School of Christian Center. Well, I was totally flattered, and I was also, I was like, that's my dream job. Teaching in a Bible school at that time would just be like that, that it's, that's as good as it gets, take me down to heaven, Jesus, and so we started to pray into these things, and uh, I ended up going at that time on, a, on a, a mission trip to Poland with a pastor and a team, and we went to Poland, we ministered for two weeks, all in different parts of Poland, it was amazing, I had the best pierogies I've ever had in my life while I was there, and um, and we, were, we got on the plane to come back and the pastor, he said, so uh, I remember we're sitting on the plane and he, he moved from his seat. We were on the runway or, or on the, the tarmac, but there was something wrong with the plane. So we sat for three hours waiting to take off. And the pastor, after about 40 minutes, came and sat beside me on the other seat. And he said, okay, well, I, I asked you about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. We got a position here for you. And it was right. We wouldn't have to move. Um, it was people that we knew. It was a Bible school I was already familiar with. And all this stuff, she was already working at the church, so it was just kind of a no-brainer, right? But as I had begun to pray about it, right in here, right here, there was something that was just like, there's something not right here. And that's all I could get. And I'd pray, and I'd pray, and I'd pray, and I'd pray. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know then how to grab a hold of something with my spirit and zoom in. You, you know, when you pray in tongues, you can pick something up. You can pick it up with your spirit. You pray in the spirit. Lord, I pray for my son right now who's not serving you. You pick that up. You pick, that, you pick it up with your heart. You can do it for your family. You can do it for your marriage. You can do it with your business. You can, you, these are, this is how we bring God into these things. And, and, and so I didn't know that then. I didn't know that I could go deeper. I didn't know that I could actually direct my tongues that I could pick up something with my tongues and lay hold of it. All of that I learned later by praying for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in tongues and then experimenting and picking something and praying for it in the spirit for a month and then watching it change and going, that worked. Oh my goodness. I just discovered something. You can, you can target your tongues, but that's for another lesson. So I'm, I'm praying and for two weeks and something, I just, I, I thought something's wrong. Well, so here I am, not even in the ministry. I'm driving a truck. Pastor comes just beside me. He's been in the ministry for 30, 35 years. He's got a church of 1,200 people. I look back now and think I, I wouldn't have been as straight up with him, but I just didn't know anything back then. I would have been much more dimpl- diplomatic. And he said, so what do you think? You had a couple of weeks to pray about this and think about it. You know, it's a great opportunity. It's a great career. The church is going great. And, and I, we talked a little bit, and I, I, said, I said, Pastor, I said, I can't do it. He said, oh, what? why not? I'll never forget the next sentence that came out of my mouth because I would never normally say this now that I'm a little smarter. I said, there's something wrong in the church. He said, oh, what is it? I didn't know what it was. Talk about feeling like a dweeb. There's something wrong. What is it? I don't know. Well, how do you know there's something wrong? Well, I just know. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure I want to hire you anymore. So, so he said, well, what is it? I said, I said, I don't know. See, can you describe it? I said, no, there's just something wrong. I just know it right here. And I know that I'm not supposed to take that position and I'm honored and I'm flattered, but I, I'm sorry. I have to say no. We had another position come up at that time, an opportunity in a 50-year-old full gospel church out in Merritt, B.C. We went out there and tried out. We did the tryout weekend. It wasn't to be the pastor. It was to be the youth and music pastor. And I remember driving away from there, this old church full of old people, and driving away from there and going, I said to my wife, what do you think? We were barely out of town. And I said, God i would have to come down the road in a red Camaro for me to take that job. Because it was all like, blah. B.C. was wonderful. The church was old and stuck in its ways, and, and we didn't want to go into that. We'd been in the move of God for several years. We ended up—that was the one that the witness said. I want you to take that one. Everything in the mind was against it, but, but but we took that one. We went. Listen to me. We went out there for a year. After we'd been there about ten months, the church that we had been in blew apart. Because they'd asked the people they were creating, they had enough people, 1,200 people, that they created an RSP thing for the people. Millions of dollars. People took and thought, great, a Christian opportunity for an RSP, here's what our returns and all that kind of stuff. And then something came along, and the pastor and the board decided, We have an opportunity here to to expand this money quite a bit in a short time. And they took millions of dollars without the people's knowledge, and they put it into something that ended up being a scam, and they lost every penny. Well, needless to say, lawsuits began immediately from people in the church who said, I gave you that money in confidence, and you took my money and you put it in something that I never said that it could be put in. It made the headlines of all the major newspapers across the country. It made 6 o'clock news on all the major uh, guys. You know, because the devil loves to rub it in the church's face. He just, if, you know, if our prime minister is corrupt and and totally does terrible things, the news doesn't even pronounce it. But if one church gets out of line, because the devil wants to rub it in, in the church's face, right? Do you know the pastor had to leave and go to America so that he wouldn't go to jail? Now think about this. A 27-year-old kid sitting there on that plane. And all I knew was the inward witness that said there's something wrong here. This this isn't. Can you imagine if I'd have made that? Imagine if that was my first ministry position. What a disaster it would be to go in and then have the church ripped apart. People infighting in the church, the board meetings, having lawyers there, police there, and the CRA there all fighting over, okay, who's gonna get what and what's gonna happen uh, with this church and, and with the assets and with the building and all that kind of stuff. I would have been right in the middle of that. Do you know, I knew people that were in that church in the ministry that they went out of the ministry after that and they never went back in again. I'm talking about people called of God. And they left because they got burned so bad. And I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, thank you for showing her and I in our heart don't take this place. It looks the very best, but you don't know what's about to happen. And that place blew apart. And you know Pastor Phil Nordine, Pastor Phil Nordine's the one here in the city He'd been a pastor right up until the last couple of years. Now he's the head of Canadian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. He's the one who had to come in and clean that up. And he told me, he said, you don't know what it was like dealing with the CRA and dealing with the press as the press would come just to shred us and make us look stupid in front of everybody. And I thought I was spared all of that by, by listening to that little sense that said, don't do this. Why don't you stand up? That inward witness, businessmen, will save you more money than you can think of. It'll save you making the wrong decision and buying a house. It'll save you making the wrong decision and getting a spouse. I'm telling you, it will. We prayed for our kids on who they're going to marry and who they're not going to marry. And there were some that came through. We thought, no, not you. But you can't say anything to them. You've got to deal with it in the spirit. Why? But the witness right here, that's not the right one. 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 Mums and dads, you can get that. But don't let your emotions get, get clouded and get in there because you just don't like the person. Now I'm preaching again. But but the the whole reason for doing this is when you come to the altar and get prayed for is it begins to generate something on the inside of an awareness of the Holy Ghost and you begin to be led by him and follow him more accurately. That's the most important thing you can ever do because then you get to stand in front of Jesus and he'll say, well done. You followed me over here when when you didn't want to. And then you followed me over here through that really hard season and then you let me speak to the Holy Spirit and you followed me through that whole situation right there. Well done, good and faithful servant. You learned to follow me. Maybe it's the most important thing between now and then that we learn to follow him. Maybe. Lord, I thank you right now. As we uh, prepare to pray for people, our, if you're one of our pastors or one of our um, altar workers, if you would come up, please, and just spread yourselves across in a line because we just want to release Holy Spirit again. And let me say this: Holy Spirit doesn't need releasing. People say, "Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't say that about you know." We pray for people sometimes. We just pray more and more and more and more. All we're doing is trying to just say, "Lord, we just want what you want here." And altar prayers. I want. I want you to listen to me for a second. And, and even some of you that might um, be, you're not on today. But if you can come up and help altar prayers. Don't don't counsel the people. Because what we don't we don't want to counsel people as they come up and. I I don't even, in these meetings, I don't ask anybody what they want prayer for. Because the purpose of these prayer times is to release the anointing. And it's a hard thing to do because as you and I, we want to ask them, what do you need prayer for? Because then we can target our prayer. But don't do that. Just say, I'm just going to release the anointing over you. I'm just so, open your heart to receive. Somebody started to ask me today. Okay, this is what I come, I said, stop, 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 stop. I said, all I want to do is release the anointing because that's what we're doing right now. Just to, to let you receive. Now I don't know if you noticed, but in about the last 10 seconds there, the spirit just there was just a little shift right there. <laughs> Some of you are like, there was. But others would be like, okay, well when that then zoom in on that. Focus in on that. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Close your eyes, focus on Jesus. You're a person, Holy Spirit. You love it when we talk about you because you love your people.
1: So we ask you to come right now. We ask you to fill the room.
0: Now, do you feel that peace right there? Open your heart up. I'm trying to help some of you through with that. Open your heart up for the peace of God. Hmm.
1: it passes understanding peace that calms my soul
0: there's healing here for broken hearts right now I just saw somebody with a cut in your heart like a a knife wound in your heart and this is what we dealt with last week in this but I just I saw again somebody with a It's a cut soul. It's the only way I can describe it. If that's you, Holy Spirit's calling you right now. Open that part up right now. Open it up. Take a minute. This is more important than you going and getting a hamburger. Here we are, Holy
1: Spirit. Lord, what you're doing in Asbury... Would you do it here? Would you do it with us? Whatever form you want, whatever way. We want you here. We want your presence here. We want your healing here.
0: I put the blood of Jesus over every person in this room and everyone watching online right now. I put the blood of Jesus over you, protecting you and covering you from the attacks of the enemy
1: and from your own inabilities come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit I'm telling you you guys some of you right where you are in your seat standing there you can just get doused right now Let it rain. Ask for rain in the time of the latter rain. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and flow through this place right now.
0: I believe there's some of you, my hands are just burning here. I believe there's some of you that God is burning your hands. He's he's releasing a healing impartation for you to begin to operate in that, in the gifts of healings. You just need to lift your hands up and receive that. If your hands are burning, lift them up right now. Say, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, what's in my hands? Put in the hands of those whom you want in this whom you want to flow in this. I release it. I release it. I release it. I release healing hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let the heat of God go into these hands. In Jesus' name, that which you love to do, Jesus, you love to heal. Healing is in your heart, not only for the soul, but also for the bodies. In the name of Jesus, I release that healing anointing I release that healing anointing now. Now, 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 now. Now let's do this right now. If, you're, if you've got pain in your body, put your hand up. Everybody else, put your hands up. If you've pain in your body, put your hand up and open your eyes you guys and look around and find somebody that's, that needs something in their body. Just open your eyes and lay hands on them. We just, we have to jump on that anointing right now. So if you see somebody with their hand up, lay your hand on them. Just by faith, just go lay your hand on them Okay, find somebody, there's still people with their hand up. Once you get hands laid on you, you can put your hand down. We just want to make sure that everybody, Lord, I speak healing this morning in Jesus' name. We speak healing into this place in the name of Jesus. You love to heal. You love to heal. We've seen so many healings. Then this morning in Jesus' name, if if, uh, nobody's got their hand on you yet, keep your hand up high where somebody can see it. And saints, this is where we're moving around. If you're a Christian and there's somebody around you with their hand up, just go lay your hand on them. You don't have to be some kind of special whiz. Just go lay your hand on them. We speak life in Jesus' name. We speak life to cells and muscles and tissues and fibers. We speak life to bones and ligaments and tendons. We speak life to nerves in Jesus' name. I speak life to brains. There's some brain thing happening. Somebody where where your brain, you're struggling with your thoughts in your brain. I don't don't understand it. I just, I, I release that now in Jesus' name. Clear path between your brain and the firing of the neurons and the the way that the brain web works. In Jesus' name, all over this room right now, all over this room, Lord, we just thank you, Holy Spirit. You're not dependent on any man. You're simply dependent on us to be obedient as the church and pray and believe you and, and by faith step out. So we step out now by faith in the name of Jesus. Healing, healing flow, healing flow, healing flow. Healing flow. Healing flow. Now, once you've been prayed for, those of you that had pain in your body, move that part. Okay? Once you've been prayed for, then you act in faith. Move that part. Just if it's a shoulder, if it's a foot, if it whatever, move it. Do something with it. That's where you act in faith. You act in faith and say, God, I believe and I move it. You don't have to swing from the chandeliers, but do something with it that's where you step out and say, Lord, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for that anointing working in me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, please make sure you do this because we're gonna gonna have people come up and pray now. If If you felt a difference in that, send an email to info at SVCF. Send us an email and say, I could feel the difference just as a testimony. Don't make it up. Don't come up with something. If it didn't happen, don't say it. But, but if you, you know, well, you know what? I think that's better. I think that's different than it was. Then send us that email and just let us know and say, this is what it was like before prayer. This is what it was like after. Amen? So Lord, I say pray for the anointing right now that's in this house on every one of these prayers. And we thank you, Father, for a transference and more of Holy Spirit today. And if you want prayer, please come up. Especially the uh, parents with children in Sunday school, please come up first and get prayed for. We'll wait about 10 seconds for you if you're a parent and you want to come up and get prayed for. I realize we've gone a little bit longer today, but I believe Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate some things here. If you're a parent and you've got kids in Sunday school, come on up and get prayed for first because we know that our Sunday school guys have been in there for a while. If you don't know Jesus, come up in this altar and ask one of these guys and say, teach me how to ask Jesus into my heart real simple. Here I am. Teach me how to ask Jesus into my heart if that's you and you've been prayed for. Okay, we've got the parents. So go ahead. If you want prayer today, we want to release more anointing on you. So you come on up and just find somebody to one of our prayers and, and stand in the line behind them. Holy Spirit all over this room, we thank you for the anointing, but you have received an anointing from the Holy One. I thank you for that anointing flowing in the name of Jesus. Flowing, 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 flowing. In Jesus' name. Anointing. 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 Lord, let your anointing flood Anointing
1: anointing. Anointing. There it is right there. God is one sweet feel. Sweet presence. More. Lord. More, Lord. more. More words. More. More Lord. More, 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 more. <laughs>
0: oh, I see joy, I see joy, I see joy coming up out of your belly, bubbling up out of your belly, he's restoring that joy, restore, 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 that's it, let it up, let it up, you begin to laugh by faith, ha, 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 ho, 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 hee, hee, he! he, he. Oh, joy, 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 For joining us online today i hope the message encouraged and blessed you you know you can stay up to date with all things Southside by following us on social media downloading our app or checking out our website at svcf.ca you can also get to know more about my wife and i by following times of refreshing on facebook and instagram and thanks everyone for joining us today in building a community of believers together Have a great week. And you know what? When you get a chance, come and join us here at the church in Calgary. You'll be blessed by it.